The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. So, Maureen, we've been doing this little podcast for a while, sometimes twice, like with the, the person we're about to do. We, we kind of go all over the map. You know, we laugh, we cry, we fall down, we, you know, get up, all, all that stuff. We fall <laughs> down, we get up again. Uh, this week, we are going back to the laughter part. I hope so. I take, as you know, I take laughter quite seriously. I'm a scholar of comedy. Oh, dear. Here we go. Go, go on. I will. Um, because I've worked in comedy for most of my life, and I've even studied comedy, as you know, in grad school. Yes, I, I like to think that I'm an oh, expert. Oh, this is going to be great. Uh, do go. Oh, it is. It <laughs> okay. Well, quite seriously, women have historically been shut out of comedy, culturally speaking, because nothing sucks the fun out of funny than a discussion on why things are funny, but here we are. Yeah, well, as you can see, if you're watching us on on YouTube, we're here with Naomi Sneakus. She was on before, but we had technical problems, so now she's back. She has a lot of thoughts on comedy because she basically does that for a living. She's a comedic actor. She's a writer. She's a producer. She's a director. See, she's been to Second City. She's performed on stage. No, she, no, she's she's not. She's been in Second City. We've all been to Second City. Well, I've been, but I haven't been on. She's been on, not in. <laughs> she's been on <laughs> Second City. Um, she was also in on by around the series uh, Mr. D. Lots and lots of TV shows. I think she did Degrassi, Franklin the Turtle, Designated Survivors. Franklin, yeah, Franklin yeah, no, come on, Frank, Franklin's funny. There's, there's, there's comedy there. No, saw, saw, three D. That's yes. pretty funny. Yeah, the swap. Anyway, if you see her, you know her. She's a very familiar face. She has, uh, she has two podcasts. She's done one with her husband, uh, Matt Barham, called. Barum and Sneakers, what what a coincidence. And another that she's done, it's kind of over now, but it's still there. So you can still check her out. Uh, she did it with Amanda Bruegel, the actor who was uh, is kind of famous. It's called The Blaze Sessions. And she did that through the firecracker department. Amanda Bruegel uh, is in The Handmaid's Tale, which is funny. Uh, anyway. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, there's comedy there somewhere. There is. There always is a little bit of humor. Margaret Atwood makes sure of that. Uh, Naomi joins us today to talk about improv, you know, spontaneous, unscripted comedy as opposed to stand-up or sketch, but it's not that spontaneous. There are rules in improv, the first being that you and your improv partner or partners have to agree about what you're creating. So if I say, for example, here we, here we are at sea, you don't say no or not. You say, aye, aye, Captain. Uh, but but then what happens if I if I get seasick? And that I, I'd rather be on an airplane. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a reverse Im- improv. No? There's no such thing as reverse improv. <laughs> uh, I just don't like the idea of you being captain, but here we go. Well, it's, it's too late. Here we go. <laughs> Naomi Snakes joins us again. Naomi, thank you so much for doing this. Hi. It's so, I mean, I'll take a chance to hang out with you two for two times in a row. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I won't yeah. complain about that. I want to ask you just off the top, because we've had these, these issues, what's, What's the worst unplanned and, and improv is all about taking whatever gets thrown at you and making it work and making it shine. But what is the worst situation that you have ever found yourself in on stage or in an improv, be it another person or be it an audience member or what? Oh, there's a lot. I know in improv, you say that there's no like mistakes. They're all just gifts. They're all opportunities. So 
this wasn't a mistake that we have to record it twice. It's an opportunity that we get to hang out twice or that we get to have a conversation that maybe goes deeper. So I don't know. I, gosh, there's some fantastic improv mishaps, you know, costumes falling off, audience members being part of it. I, you know, it's not funny, but somebody did recommend, like when we asked for a suggestion, they, they suggested genocide, which I would say <laughs> that might have been the trickiest way. Did you make it work? I think we ended up doing like a genocide in like a like a high school drama. Like, so I don't know. It was really, it was really not easy. Tough. But we, you know, you really had to steer the ship, you know, you got to get the. Yeah, there's not a lot of laughs in genocide. Been- I haven't been through a genocide, but I can't imagine it being very funny. Yeah, for either, on either side. Um, yes. Well, like, so I think in life. As an improv, there are no real, I mean, there are obstacles, but you can look at them as challenges and opportunities. Well, Maureen keeps trying to teach me that life is about, or at least a podcast, which is also life, of course, is all about yes and, which is like one of the big rules in in improv, right? And yet I was raised with no, no, like I'm a journalist. I'm not a comedian. I'm not like a no, no, you used to yeah. say this. And it's all very polite, of course, but it doesn't do so. But you are, you are questioning everything that your yeah. partner says. I suppose. It's like, no, but, no, but your, your, your pants are on yeah. fire. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I missed that interview of you interviewing the guy with the pants on fire. <laughs> that, that was hard hitting journalism. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Like we always say the yes and you know, and there's, there's exceptions to every rule, right? So uh, yes, and is saying like, you have an agreement. Yes, is the agreement to the idea and is the building of it. So you're not just saying yes, and you keep building it. But I don't even I think with journalism, still, like you're saying, you know, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. And didn't you also say this? Like, I think there is like, I, I think you don't give yourself credit for being a yes, ander. Because I think no, but just stops conversation. We all done, you've all heard it when somebody says like, Oh, I'm really sorry I did this, but you're like, oh, that but kind of disqualified the apology. So I think it's all just like trying to communicate and, and keep people engaged. So what are the rules, Maureen? You're you're the expert. What no, I'm you? not. No, no. <laughs> Naomi is the expert. I'm just a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think like, you know, we you'll see shows that like Matt and I do, and you'll be like, but you said no to ideas. I think it's like we're collaborating, right? The ga- the name of the game is collaboration. So whatever we can do to keep in collaboration is what we're trying to uh, accomplish. So if, if I say, you know, if, what did you say? If uh, here we are on a ship and I say, no, it's, it's not a ship, but I, gosh, I wish it was. It's just a dinghy. Oh, I dream of a ship. So you know what I'm saying? I'm saying no to something, but I'm introducing another idea. So we're still in collaboration. I've been on a boat with uh, Marina and her husband, and he's the captain, and she has to say "aye aye, captain," because he's the guy. Well, that's a, that's a that's a different situation. <laughs> I mean, now you're you're taking the the situation literally, but it's not a bad one. There has to be a boss, and I wonder sometimes watching troops, and I've seen everybody from the Upright Citizens Brigade to I mean, fantastic improv troops. And you want, I mean, if, and if they're doing it seamlessly, it doesn't look like there's somebody in charge, but I wonder, is there somebody in charge? I always think of improv as being like the cast of Wizard of Oz. Like you need somebody that brings the brains. You need somebody who brings the courage. You need somebody who brings the heart and you need somebody who tells the story, goes down the yellow book road. So again, like that kind of like working together aspect, I think that 
if you don't have a story, the story person's going to turn up and be like, let's guide it. Let's guide it. And if we don't have a heart, the heart person's going to turn up. So I think it's all sort of being responsible for whatever your strengths is. That's that being said, like, I would say my role is usually in our troop is usually bringing heart. And Matt, my husband is usually doing like story, but if Matt's not in that night, then I'll take over in story. You know what I mean? Like you all sort of switch, switch roles, but I, I don't think there is a leader. I think good improv is sort of leading together and following together. If only life was like that. If only we could live like that. I mean, I think it can be. We just have to like, I, I think it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of things that we say in the improv. Of, you don't have to build a huge cathedral. You just have to bring a brick. Wow. So I'm not going to go in there and say, all right, everybody, you listen to me. It's going to be like this. I'm going to say, what about this and this? And somebody else is going to go, what about this and this? So that actually there's this beautiful ownership over the story as opposed to one person leading and everybody going, well, they led. It's their story, which I think is important. Someone was telling me about an improv couple, uh, Colin Mockery and Deb McGrath. I've heard of them. Up and comers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're kind of up and comers. They're, they're, yeah, yeah they're, they're like 12. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that they were that they started off an improv session because that's what they're experts at, and they started it off saying, "This is all about you. It's all about the audience, and whatever you give us will determine whether it's great or not." And everyone's like, "Hmm, I don't know." So it's like, and eventually, like they warmed everybody up, and everybody really got into it. But it's, I think it's hard for outsiders to know and to trust because otherwise, it can really suck if they don't play. Yeah, I think it's a great point that you need to trust your improvisers. And that comes out in the very beginning, right? If you step on stage and you're like, ah, we don't care what we're doing tonight. It's just garbage. Go screw yourself. Then I'm going to be like, well, if you don't care, I don't care. But if you stand on stage and go, oh my gosh, we're thrilled that you can be here. I'm thrilled to tell a story with you because it's the DNA of the group, right? You're, it's the actors on stage and the uh, audiences off stage that collaborate to make I'm using collaborate a lot, but I, I believe in it. So I think that, that it is sort of like, and the joy of improv is that we can turn it. Like if you see a show and you're like, wow, this is a stinker of a show. There's nothing you can do. It's going to be the same every night. But in improv, I can, we can feel the audience when we're losing them and we can twist it and adjust it to being something that they maybe connect with more. Here's a question. What makes a good audience? Um, that's interesting. I think just an audience that cares, <laughs> an audience that cares, that audience. Yeah. I mean, even if they want, they don't want to be there. We've had audiences before that are like, you know, grumpy and, and they don't seem they want to be there, but then we, we win them over. Maybe they don't like jokes about genocide. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Maybe I should be so judgmental. Maybe mm -hmm. that's where they draw the line. Huh? <laughs> Is there a line? Like, how do you know? Like, Genocide's not very funny, but aside from well, that. And I, I would say anything could be funny if you just massage it properly. Yeah, or if you're smart enough. Like, I do think you have to play to the highest level of your intelligence. So if we're dumbing things down and doing a lot of, like, poo-poo bum-bum jokes, I don't know. That doesn't really inspire me. I find so, funny. <laughs> so they would like be great for <laughs> We have a poo-poo bum-bum show coming up, Maureen, that you're welcome to come to. <laughs> just um, the words. Well, certain words are funnier. Have you heard this? I, I mean, I've read a lot about this kind of thing, that certain words are funnier than other words. Like the letter K is funny. If it's got a K in it, it's funny. Uh, certain yeah. numbers are funnier than others. You've heard this as well. Unless there's three. There's three Ks are not very no. funny. Good oh, there we, oh go there we go again. Again. No, but, no, but. <laughs> 
you know, I'm sure there's people in that organization that are a riot. But listen, <laughs> I think cheese, cheese, if you throw cheese around, that's a real good cheese is funny. word to throw. It's just funny. You cannot laugh yeah. at cheese. So is humor changing? I mean, is it is improv changing or is it, I mean, there's obviously some things you've got to be more careful of these days, but generally like poo-poo and is, is that still funny? <laughs> See? See, Maureen's just like, she's... <laughs> just can't help it. You know, we were talking about this just the other day because I was so inspired by a show that Kathy Greenwood and uh, Jonathan Wilson and Ed Sahaley used to do called Not to Be Repeated, which was they just chose lines out of baskets and they would do a full play. And I was so inspired by that. And Matt and I do similar things where we do long form plays, uh, improvised plays. But I think it's the same. Like we'll we'll sort of repeat formats with different, I don't know, different tones, different uh, facts. Like it's all, I think it's all going to, I think comedy will be comedy forever. A guy or a girl or a person slipping on a banana peel. I think you'll always find amusing. Well, people keep slipping on them. So they, they <laughs> we don't see that many banana peels anymore, which is probably a good thing. That's it. <laughs> also trash has gotten better in the world. So I think that helps. Yeah. But there is misery, and we keep coming back to this when we talk to, to funny people, strangely enough, that there is sadness or grievances behind every joke. And so it be, that becomes a contradiction when, you know, there's so many things. Well, that's not funny. Well, the fact that it's not funny is funny to, you know, go peel back the layers of something. Um, after 9-11, you remember how everyone was saying, well, the age of irony is over. That's it. Nobody can be funny anymore since the worst possible tragedy. But of course, the fact of the matter is for thousands of years, humanity's been experiencing the worst possible tra uh, tragedies and still, and still we laugh. We've got to laugh. Yeah. They say it, tragedy plus time equals comedy. So it might not be funny. Like if you think about your, the worst days that you've had might not be funny that day, but as you distance yourself, I'm sure you're able to find something funny. And that's the thing that's relatable. Like we relate to people because they find humor in things or they find absurdity in things. When we're saying, like, if I presented myself as, you know, a perfect, like nothing ever goes wrong, nobody's going to be able to relate to me. So we've all, we've all dealt with trauma in different ways. And we have to laugh at it. Gosh, I've been turning 60. I started like, having deep thoughts about life and in general. Yeah. Up, up until then, she was just a complete bimbo. Just at 60, Wendy? That just started? <laughs> I didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you get better. I mean, I, like I do have all of these deep thoughts and they're getting very, very deep now. But are you, are you getting better or does it, I don't know. I also find that my recall isn't quite as quick. So, I mean, how, do, how does it balance off my great wisdom with my, my, what's that word? What do you mean? Do I get better at recall? Do I get better at? At improv. Yeah. Like, are you, do you get funnier as you get older or, or does it get more scary to like walk off, walk that plank? That's an interesting question. How, what happens to your sense of humor, either as a person who is funny or as a person who appreciates humor as you get older? That doesn't it? If that's the question you're asking, Wendy, I wouldn't presume. Yeah, I think everything's funny, but then maybe <laughs> that's the problem. I, I think it's muscles, right? I think it's like the even the the muscle of having these kind of conversations. If we aren't communicating and we aren't uh, integrating into, I don't know, collaborating. social collaborating again. Thank you. <laughs> it's my word for the day is collaboration. <laughs> so I think. We get we we lose our muscles. Our muscles become flabby in that sense. So um, uh, if I wasn't on stage, if I wasn't improvised, if I didn't live with an improviser, all those things I think help my 
my brain function on a, on a quicker level. Um, you know, you talk to somebody like Colin Mockery, the thing that he, I think he's always been like this, but he's like one of the most patient improvisers you'll ever see. He'll stay off out of a scene. He'll let all the chaos and the improvisers run around circles. And then he'll come in and lay down a joke yeah. that is like killer, 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 killer. Like he's done shows with us before that. I remember like working so hard. We're setting up characters. We're setting up shows. He'd come on and he would, and I remember him spitting a candy into his hat and putting the hat back on and then walking off stage and he just brought the house down. It was <laughs> He's a sniper fantastic. in that sense. He's a sniper. Yeah. 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 So I think it's muscles. You got to keep your, your muscles going. Hey there. Uh, just so you know, Mo and I are not just the queens of podcasting. I'm not sure we're even that, but do go on. We're not part-time cowgirls. We just made that up. But we are writers. We're writers. Wendy and I write a newsletter on Substack. It's a weekly roundup of thoughts and experiences, sometimes serious, often not. Yeah, you're pretty funny. You you write about falling down a lot. Uh, you write about your dog. I do. You write about sex and politics and COVID. All very, very serious things. We have a few thousand subscribers, both free and paid. And you could be one of them if you'd like. Just go to Substack.com and look us up by name or go to our website at womenofillrepute.com and sign up there. We'd love to meet you there. And now back to being the queens of podcasting. Yeah, sure. (laughs) What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. The Women of Ill Repute. Tell me about, or tell us, about being married, as you mentioned, both you and Matt are improvisers. Now, my my husband is not in remotely in any kind of performative business, an engineer. Um, Hilarious. It, it, it can be. Uh, <laughs> I can't, try, can't think of an instance where it was. But, anyway, <laughs> but if we are arguing, sometimes I can disarm him, right? Like we could, if I can keep it together, if I can make him laugh, well, then it's over. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah. be mad. At, you can't laugh 100%. and be mad at me. And I'm wondering what's it like for two improvisers. Do you do that? Is that in either of your arsenals or, or. Yeah. I mean, there's always bits, right. And same, I'm bringing Colin Deb into this too. Cause we talk about this, how there, you always have bits, but I think that goes whether you're improvisers or not, like you always have, you know, that famous story where that funny thing happened that that'll come back or, you know, like last time we both had to go pee at the same time. And I got up and he was How like, oh, is there a lineup? Like, but that's like four o'clock in the morning jokes. You're, I'm assuming you're at your cottage and you have one bathroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But boys go outside. Oh, you're right. What's wrong with him? Go outside. We were in the same situation. I mean, so do I. Who's kidding who? It's a cottage. <laughs> but not poo-poo. I mean, are you judging me, Wendy? You're killing me. Yeah, I'm stuck on the poo-poo. Uh, I obviously think that's funny, but then... I think the word's funny. 
I don't yeah. know if I, think I blame actual, myself for that. Yeah, yeah. So tell <laughs> us about Firecracker. Like what the, you set up this department, I think it was in the wake of Me Too, right? Or anyway, tell us about how that all got going and how funny it is. <laughs> tell us how funny it is. <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, it's chats, right? It's like, I love, it's like what you're doing too. You like, you love having chats with folks and finding out like more in-depth discussion as opposed to soundbite discussion that I think we all got used to before podcasts perhaps. So yeah, it was a little bit in the wake of me too, but we were, we had started the podcast firecrack department and we've got 150 episodes now. And wow. originally it was, it was exactly that. And then me too happened and the Dr. Ford trials happened. That really made me angry watching the aftermath of that, watching how men and Trump were sort of belittling her. And I was like, well, I can get on my social media and be grumpy and, and snarky and things like that. Or I can just make Firecracker Department the best thing ever and change the world that way. So the podcast became a community. Now we have a community of, um, I would say, like 3,000 firecrackers internationally. And we have workshops and mentorship panels. And we've just started creating more content. And that has, I feel, has shifted things in a way that I'm really proud of like, I feel like because of the projects and different programs that we have, people are now able to call themselves writers that maybe they weren't calling themselves writers three years ago. So that kind of thing. And then the Blaze Award, the Blaze session started after that as a little mini series. But yeah, Firecracker Department is stepping into more content creation now too. So I'm excited about that. Why Firecracker? Why did you pick that? Women of Ill Repute. Like that's a great name. Yeah. That's a fantastic name. <laughs> yeah. But it, like how long did it take you to find that name? Oh, Wendy, it came up with the name first. <laughs> well, it was my husband's idea. Yeah, he's he kind of knows me. Um, we line up at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, is there a lineup? Yeah. yeah. Um, but firecracker, it just sort of came to you. Well, I've always, I love the term firecracker, you know, it sort of has that 1960s edge of like, she's a real firecracker. Um, <laughs> I love that. And then I love the department cause it makes it a little bit cheeky about being, you know, this organization. I also love that it's not gender specific so that we are, uh, women and non-binary artists working together. That is important to me. So, um, it took me forever. I had a list of like a hundred I gave it out to way too many people for way too much advice, which I think is a, not a good choice. You get like all these people going, I like this, but I don't like that. And the other person going, well, I like that, but I don't like this. And then finally, it was New Year's Eve. My friend uh, Naomi Wright, who was visiting us in Los Angeles, nobody could sleep. We decided we were not going to stay up till midnight. We were not interested in that. And then at midnight, the fireworks started going off and it woke me up and I was like, oh, fireworks. It's going to be the firecracker department. There you go. Yeah, we kind of painted ourselves into a corner with women of ill repute as a name, because even though we really liked it, uh, we were about, you know, six months into the podcast when we realized we wanted to talk to people who weren't necessarily women or men or anything. We, we just felt that we were constricted by by the gender. So we just started, uh, we just said, okay, well, we're the women of ill repute. You, you can be whatever you want. And then we brought men on. You get three minutes into one of your chats and you're like, oh, it's those. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Well, and it's fun being, being a woman of ill repute. I mean, I think every single woman that we've met and many of the men say, yeah, well, I'm a woman of ill repute. Like, I think everybody is like, they feel like they have sort of challenged the system in some way. And that that's all that we're saying. It's, it's, and we only talk to people that we like. So it's, uh, you know, who we've fun. never found, what we've, we've never heard from anybody that we've talked to is yes, I have done everything I'm supposed to do. I have followed all the <laughs> rules and it has played, it paid off very well for me. Thank you very much. That's, we've never encountered that. 
shall we do the, these uh, pop questions with Naomi? I think it would be a great idea. Yeah, it's kind of a new idea. Well, I mean, we've sort of been playing with the, the sort of the Proust questionnaire. There's a million versions of those around. Why not with Naomi? I think we should just do it. Because you're, because you're, uh, uh, you're, quick on your feet and so on. This isn't a quiz. This is actually, you know, we, about pop culture mostly. But so, for example, what's, I'm assuming you're a reader. I don't know anybody that I like who isn't. You might just have met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read. <laughs> Best book that you've recently read. It doesn't have to be fiction. Um, do you know, I think, I, I don't often do this and I'm not a strong reader. I am not somebody that reads. I I, I, I like reading. I like the idea. When I go on holiday, I'm like, I read ferociously. But then when I'm where, I don't know, my brain's too scattered. But I reread uh, Fall on Your Knees oh, recently. I just listened to it again. Yeah. Yeah. I just loved And we saw the show that was at Canadian Stage. So did I. Uh, Henry McDonald. And I was so moved. I just think that's one of the most interesting. Like, I just think her brain is so interesting the way she wove that story. So I loved reading it again. Good answer, Naomi. She was on the podcast. We interviewed her after we, uh, yeah, after we did, uh, or just after she was publishing Fane, and we read that, and it's eight hundred pages, and I was thinking, oh, very eight hundred pages. Anyway, it was wonderful, but she was, she was fascinating. It was only afterwards that I realized that she'd been through this horrible illness and had basically been bedridden, and we didn't even talk about that. Didn't even know about it. We did some research, but yeah. So what else? I, I'm sort of interested in. Well, I'm. Everyone's interested in, you know, what's on TV, what are you screening, but is, is there, like, what do you do to waste time? Like, is it your phone? Is it Netflix? I'm very good at it. I know people are like, oh, you're always so busy, Naomi. I'm like, no, I waste a lot of time. I think, I don't know. I, I, I like projects. I don't think that's wasting time. I think like my way is like getting off the computer. So things like, you know, we've just torn apart our cottage. So that's going to take some good chunk of time. And producing, I think producing is sort of my time waster. That doesn't sound. That sounds no, that like, doesn't sound. No, <laughs> I know that sounds like. What are your What are I your worst qualities? Hard. I'm too helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm optimistic, but yeah. I, I do think that's right. People don't like you. I'm too optimistic, but I do think like that wastes my time when I'm trying to organize things. Or I do have this little. I mean, I'm a little obsessed with it. I have a little. You know those um those little libraries that they have on the sidewalk of people's homes. Yeah, they're adorable. I know. I started a little art gallery. So like our neighbors and our community put like little art pieces in it. And I'm a little obsessed about that. And nobody steals them? Yeah, they're supposed to. It's They're, they're free. Oh. It's a- <laughs> but they're like, it's free. You said it was a free Come art gallery. Come back here with that. I bake art and then the neighbors <laughs> take over and do some like little exhibits. And I just love it. That is so cool. Yeah, we have those in my neighborhood, both the libraries. And I just noticed the other day walking the dog, there was a little art, like a little thing with a glass door and there were little tiny. I didn't realize it could take any of this stuff. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's yeah. They should say like free art gallery, leave art, take oh, art. Oh, no, it didn't say art. that. Maybe I, I think art. it was just the person who lived there was showing off their stuff and they, they would change. Well, then they should have a lot. Yeah, should- Otherwise, I think. <laughs> change down the street. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Favorite blockbuster movie? Oh, um, do you know what I loved, loved, loved is everything all at once, all the time. Am I yes, saying all that? the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What that movie changed my brain. Like I watched that going, there, there, are, there are the only rules that people set in movie making in creation of art 
is rules that you've put on yourself because that like threw away all the rules. Every time you're like, oh, this is what the movie's about. No, it's about this. But it still had like a beautiful heart and love. It, it. had a beautiful heart and it was also hilariously funny yeah. and moving. Yeah. And you're, it changed. It, it did win best, win, win best picture, did it not? Though I think a lot yeah. of people are like, I yes. don't know what I just saw. I don't know what that was. But it never, you, it never failed to hold your attention for the whole whole time. But it is, I mean, this sort of goes back to the question of like, does humor change as you get older? Is humor different than it used to be? Because now there are, there are so many satirical movies like that one would never have won all of the prizes that it, that it won this time. And, and a friend of mine just, uh, well, a couple of years ago, she wrote the book on Blackberry and now it's been made into a movie, which is sort of like Facebook. It's not like her book, which is journalism, you know, full of no buts, but it's very yes and, and it's very, it's very funny and it's very satirical and it's very ironical, ironical, is ironic, full of irony. Oh, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe things are changing. I mean, maybe we're getting looser or maybe we just appreciate it when we see it. Yeah. I mean, look, like something like, you know, those airplane movies or like Dumb and Dumber, like there was a time where like it was a pretty collegiate humor. Poo-poo. Sure. You, Stop you just it. want to say the word, <laughs> but I still think people love like it, uh, that. That sense of humor isn't necessarily my sense of humor, but there are still people that watch that and are like floored by that kind of. And I feel like yeah. I'm looking at two of them right now. Like I do feel like <laughs> it's it's still available. I just think like we're we're shifting, right? There's still like uh, who? But there was a there was a show. Oh, it was Gilligan's Island. Mm. Airplane, yes. No, Gilligan, no. But they showed they had a disclaimer before. They said Gilligan's Island was made in, what, the 1970s, I think? 60s. 60s? Yeah. At a time where the humor was different. We're not going to take this off the um, circulation, but we do want to recognize that things have changed. Because there's some very inappropriate jokes that are in that show. Like, very misogynist, racist, like... But what are you going to do? Not learn from that? We still need to see it to see where we've come from. Do you think Gilligan's Island was funny? I mean, even when you were a kid, when you watched, you know, no, I did not. I just thought he, I liked the relationship between Gilligan and Skipper. I thought that was a funny, but I didn't. That's a very classic, you know, the big guy beating the little guy, you know. Yeah. It's sort of like status jokes and things like that. But yeah. Well, we both love Lucille Ball. I think yeah. that has to be, a, yeah, a woman of ill repute. She was a woman. She's, she's going to come on. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> she's dead, but you know, well done. We're going to do a bunch of dead people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I mean, we're so, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but. No, oh my God, we're out of time. Maybe Maureen wants it. Well, yeah, look at it. See, I, I, I don't, I, wow. I, listen, can we, can we just listen for once, geez? <laughs> I love it. <what> you know. <laughs> listen to me, would you? This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much this, for doing this the second time. I trust the sound quality will be as good as it sounds in our heads. And, uh, and the, whatever you're doing, Naomi, please let us know and we'll have you on to promote it or we'll just promote it without you because you're a lot of fun and uh, terrifically talented. So thank you for doing this. Well, I mean, if this doesn't record, I'm up for doing it a third time just to hang oh. out. <laughs> uh, you heard it here. Yeah. Every, Every Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll call you. Yeah. So see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I know what that stands for. Then it's not poo-poo. That's it. Anyway. You want the end of this interview to end <laughs> yeah. on poo-poo so badly, Wendy. I can yeah, feel I it. know she did. She was saving it. She was saving it. All right. <laughs> no, thanks so much. Thanks for supporting all that you do and for supporting the firecracker and the blaze sessions and everything. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Our pleasure. Bye. Bye. Bye, you too.
so yeah, this is a little behind the scenes glimpse into the behind the scenes. When we started this, for some reason, I got made the technical person. I don't know why. <laughs> because you're the whiz. Well, compared to not. me, you're the technical whiz. In, in my in my almost forty year career in radio, I was never allowed to touch the equipment because we had producers to do that, and I didn't want to learn because once I learned, I would be held responsible. Well, so that's my excuse too in yeah. television, but yeah. uh, I had people. Now I don't have any people, but I have you and you know, like two things more than I do. About I know two more things. Um, so yeah. So, and all, all of this to say we screwed up on the last one, or maybe Naomi Sneakers screwed up. No, but no, we knows? never blame the guest or we'll never get oh. another guest again. But okay, I didn't uh, say just that. so you know, I am the operator on this kind of thing. I'm also want to point <laughs> out I'm God. the accountant. I don't know. How yeah, you're good with figures, apparently too. Yeah, no, you're you're a whiz. And when I say accountant, I say that very dryly because our <laughs> income is not quite what it could be uh, compared to our output. But um, so, if you do want to advertise, uh, just go to our website at, at womenofillrepute.com and and everything will be there for you to uh, to figure out how to support us. Naomi was fantastic. Yeah, all of this to say, we 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 had Naomi on in May, well, a couple yes. of months ago, like many, many months ago, yeah. and uh, it didn't work. Usually, we can our technical producer Matt can fix things up, but but not this time. So we uh, anyway, now we're going to talk every Tuesday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we <laughs> she she was lovely, as we she's say. All, so, she's she's I'm a, so just glad. terrific talent. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. So yeah, I'm gonna have to check out the uh, comedians that she mentioned, and yeah. Uh, yeah, she wants to change the world and laugh at the same time, which I, I think know. is a very it's admirable. Better. Nothing. And better. and she said poo poo. <laughs> okay, stop it. I believe I'm out. Goodbye. Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley, with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca.